Hello everyone and welcome to the Information Entropy Podcast, where we try to take some science, squish it into an hour-long show, hopefully making it less confusing than it was at the beginning. This week, we're diving down into the small, weird, potentially wonderful world of viruses. You can follow us on, well, pretty much anywhere your heart desires. I'm going to leave it open-ended and a single thing, so I don't get shouted at. I'm Tom Jenks, joined as usual by Mitchell Gatting. How are you, mate? It's me. I'm the one that does the shouting. I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. <laughs> I am good, good. Any news this week, or has it been pretty chill? And you're on news. What are you chatting about? Well, I just meant in your life story, like general oh. general chit-chat. I do have news, though. I can, I can talk okay, to that. You confused me with that. I was like, what? I haven't done news. I'm, I'm prepared. <laughs> Uh, put, put you on the spot, it's been yeah. a pretty, pretty tepid week. Um, wet and wet, windy down here in the the south of the UK. Mm. It's been raining and windying sideways. Yeah, we had that towards the end of last week, in the first yeah, couple of days. Ah, oh, we had the the Northern Lights just show up. Oh, you did. Yeah, that was very. That was a good time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm glad. Few and far between, though. It doesn't happen that often. Yeah. Not bright enough where you can actually see it with the eye holes. Um, but yeah. Oh, is it a good true? Time. Oh, okay. Um, oh, what's on my week? Oh, I've, I've, done, I've done my body in. No, I've done myself oh, okay. a disservice. Uh, I've been. Is this with the. Uh, bouldering. The boulders. Yeah. 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 Climbing, climbing. It's the new, it's the new, my new thing. Uh, I had a really good, really good sesh. So sesh. Um, <laughs> I'm not good enough to call it a sesh yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I had a really, really good go of it. I realised that I, I can't say difficulties because it's different at every place you go. Like I think America and a lot of places in the UK like have the, a V system, but the place that I go doesn't use like V1 to V9 or V1 to V12. I can't remember what it is. We just have like colours. Uh. Because colors are simple, um, which well, I think see, that's these... what you'd think. But up here, it's colors as well. But the colors don't make sense to me. They don't go in any logical order, and then they start mixing the colors. Yeah, they, they have. I think there's, there's one mixed color at the gym that I go to, and it's pink and black. But that means it's like oh. a a circuit they do. So they okay. try and do like one specific. Um, Thing, like a technique or a uh, way of climbing that if you do that specific circuit you're training that thing so there's one oh, that's, that's cool. to do with um i can't remember I always forget the word when you eat yourself um you, you do a <laughs> i think that is the technical technically correct <laughs> no, term yes it's not i can't remember it is uh dino it's got a dyno don't know why it's got a dyno but it's got a dyno you essentially like pull up your arms kick your legs and you jump and then you grab something higher or sideways Yeteth. uh yeah it's got a dyno so they've, they've got one which is like here's a dyno it's a very simple dyno you just go straight up not like it's a, a black or like a v12 whatever where you like you're dynoing around a corner or whatever it's literally like a straight up the wall um Damn. and there's one which is called like smearing which is where you, there isn't a foothold, but there's like an alternate surface or flat surface that you kind of use your shoe and you kind of make a smear mark. That's what it's called smearing. Like you drag your foot with a little friction to try and get to the next place. Ah. 
Yeah. So there's a circuit which is pink and black, which if you do that, you kind of like practice. Which I quite like those because a lot of those aren't just you need to be strong to do this, which a lot of the yeah. hard ones at the gym is. It's like you need to have good upper body strength to even attempt this, which I don't. I've I've got nothing. I'm not I'm not working yeah. with anything here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I, I went and did all oranges, which is like green is beginner, orange is like the first step up, and I just went and did all oranges. So oh, well, that, well, that's progress. Yeah, yeah. I'm maybe doing it that's for like progress. Three weeks now. So nice. Yeah, but um, doing one of them was a complete. Uh, I call it like a roof. So There's like an, an if you imagine like an overhang rock. Yeah, you had to go from like the the wall to an over underhang. You have to go all the way around the underhang, then back up, and then doing the underhang. I did that right at the end, and I've done something to my shoulder. So, yeah, that's chill turning out now. Oh, you'll be fine. You'll just go back there. You smash all the oranges. Be like, done. See you later. Yeah. This weekend, Holland's gonna rock up and be like, I'm injured, but let's go. <laughs> Sensible yeah. choices. <laughs> no. All right. Well, uh, this week, as I said, we're going to be looking at viruses. Yeah, computer viruses. Um, Computer viruses. I've got all my research on computer viruses. (laughs) Um, Joke, but I have. We actually clarified this time. Oh, see, we did. But then I also also have gone into computer viruses because they're interesting. Okay, that that's fair. I was thinking we we may we could even do a whole episode on those, but we'll we'll, we'll dive into them this week. Why not? I totally don't. You, nobody like needs to listen to me monologue about you know attack vectors and indicators of compromise. Oh, know, I would happily, I would happily do that. <laughs> um, I've got some news though before we head on into into the into this, and uh, we covered this a few weeks ago, and we got a tweet from some random person like, "Oh, you're wrong," but it turns out we weren't. So we're going over this again. <laughs> Um, and no pettiness no pettiness here whatsoever <laughs> not at all not at all oh, um, it's to do with the potential age of the universe oh yeah and this geezer yeah so light particles travel at a certain speed now, they bounce off or are emitted from things and on mass when they arrive at your eye they combine together to show you the thing that they bounced off now you know in day to day life this happens so quickly it's showing you things in in real time but because it does take time for light to travel when you take into account very long distances for example one light year you're looking at one year old light and you're looking at those objects or the things that emitted that light as they were one year ago now the james webb space telescope is so powerful that we're able to pick up really really faint light such as light that has left objects 13.2 billion years ago that is 500 million years after where we think the big bang happened now why were we looking there well one of the objectives of the james webb space telescope was to look back as far as we can and just see what the early universe looked like Um, it would help inform our current models help uh, inform us about planetary and galaxy formation and then that helps us understand like are our theories of the universe correct is our understanding of physics correct how might we plan uh, let's say future uh, human activities in a system where we know better uh, about that system so a new paper came out because uh, it came out this month because the james webb space telescope had been taking pictures of um, galaxies early galaxies 13.2 billion years ago and what it found was 
not at all what our models told us we would found. What we found, expected was some blobs, very unstructured, primordial galaxies. And what it looks like we found is galaxies that are very well formed. Some may even have spiral arms like our own galaxy does, way beyond what we expected in terms of complexity uh, from our modeling and best guesses. Now, Rajendra Gupta, who produced this paper in the Royal Astronomical Society, said, if these galaxies are as well formed as we think, and we know that it takes millions, potentially even billions of years for galaxies like this to form, it would suggest that instead of the galaxy, our universe being 13.7 billion years old, it's actually 26.7 billion years old. Pretty much double what we currently think. Um, some people immediately think, well, is that valid? Can we just change the age of the universe by, you know, X billion years? Well, 100 years ago, we only thought the universe was 2 billion years old. So it wouldn't be that wild to adjust it again. Um, but there also, are some competing theories here. Yeah, yes, we're not actually changing the age of the universe. No, we're not like <laughs> our estimation of it. Yeah, I just want everyone to know that when they come at us on Twitter, like, <laughs> you know. Um, so, is everyone convinced by this? No, but that is the nature of science, and that's why it's great. We're able to have discussions about it in a constructive way. Um, so, some of these other theories state that these could be small galaxies with supermassive black holes in the center and what could be producing this light is massive accretion disks around the outside uh, they could be high energy jets like those we see from collapsed stars um, and also it could be potentially hot dust and we're wondering oh how do we see that light well the james Webb space telescope uses infrared light um which has been redshifted, travels a further distance, and can also be produced from heat. Um, so it's quite a good way to look really far back in time, or really far away, I suppose. Um, so I guess these are the competing theories. It's either old galaxies, potentially it's just some hot dust. Um, either way, what we're seeing is stuff that we didn't expect to see. So I think the conclusion from this is no matter what happens is that the universe is likely older than than we think. Um, out for out for contention, I suppose. I think it would be unlikely if we got it correct anyway without this kind of information. Um, so yeah, super interesting, and I think it is one of those things where does it impact you day to day? Nothing in your life is particularly going to change, but it actually has massive implications for our understanding of how things work, including the universe and the world around us. So yeah, exciting stuff for science nerds. And not. Yeah. And not. People yeah. Twitter. Oh, sorry, X. Well, it isn't Twitter anymore, is it? I can't say Twitter. The website formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> yes, we're allowed to say that. Oh, <laughs> um, fun times. But viruses this week. Um, yeah. This was requested, so shout out to Uli. Uh, for this and uh, she requested knowledge on a specific virus but I thought we'd just do viruses in, in general and uh, we'll, we'll come on to that later on yeah. um, so how much have you delved into <laughs> computer stuff versus biological stuff uh, let's, let's say like a 50-50 split 
So fifty fifty. Okay. And if you just get me what? talking on like computer viruses, things like that, I just you know, I just keep going. Okay. Just keep... Well, why don't we start the show on the biological side of things then? Oh boo. Yeah, sure. Man. And then because I have absolutely nothing on that and it will just be me asking you questions. That's fine, mate. It counts all the questions away. As, you, as everyone we'll, we'll knows, I am to, uh, computer stuff a subject matter expert, uh, expert, an SME, if you will, if you work in the corporate space on 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 everything malware. Apparently, the only work in that area. But I'll, you know, I know it all. Got a degree. It's, that it's says you. It. Sometimes you just got to project that confidence. <laughs> Say it with your chest voice, and everyone will believe you. Your chest voice. It's not. It's yeah. not the saying. <laughs> That's not the saying <laughs> at all. Um. No, but this is what I've been practicing with the dog. So I'm looking after a dog currently. And Are you telling uh, the dog to tell him to say it with his chest. No, I say it. I, I issue commands with my chest voice to the dog so she respects me <laughs> and does what I say. <laughs> does it work all the time? No. Does it depend how she's feeling? Absolutely. Oh, dear. Good times, though. <laughs> um, so, a virus, biological virus. Um,. Yeah. What, what do we think those are, mate? It's a small infectious agent, Tom. Oh, that's great. That yeah, is. it's not considered a, a living organism, which is, you know, don't let that fucking... Sort of, uh, that's out, <laughs> for the jury's out on that. Uh, yeah, but so this stay... was going to be a question I would ask, but um, I ended up not even looking at that. Yeah. So I so, will not bring that up for the debate. There's a reason for it, though, because it can't carry out any uh, metabolic processes or reproduce on its own instead viruses depend on infecting a host cell which can be bacteria and plants animals even microorganisms to replicate and then reproduce so that's why it's not considered living like a zombie that makes I mean, sense. you wouldn't say a zombie's living would you no i guess so when you say so. that their viruses are infected with a virus it depends yeah. depends what sci-fi realm you're in yeah what trope are going down yeah. Uh, not the weird one from The Last of Us where the, the tentacles come out of its mouth and trying to smooch her. That was weird. That was a weird episode. What, The Last of Us? Yeah. Oh, I've still not watched it. Oh, okay, so... No, it's all right. Don't, no, I, 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 I appreciate I am behind the mark on this one. But I think because oh, yeah, it's so Apple, it's, it's, I was like, oh, The way they describe it is less like normal zombies, but more like that infection that spreads, the fungus that spreads across the yeah. ground um and it all just it doesn't actually want to kill it just wants to like infect as many people as it can so a method of infection is like it puts the spores out of the mouth of an infected to like get into the person mm. that isn't infected and one scene in there is like it comes very close to looking like it's just about to like snog her um oh. <laughs> and then all the ten all like the tenderly spory things are coming out of its mouth and you're like that's nasty that's nasty um so yeah viruses are fundamentally different from living cells in in a few ways in the fact that they don't have a cellular structure so they don't Mm. have the organelles that we might expect to find in cells um they don't have a nucleus you say in cells um yeah well both i suppose in in cells are living but are they <laughs> well uh, no well officially yes <laughs> um, but, but they, they can't reproduce on their own way burn too easy too easy 
Bloody hell. Oh dear. So they don't have a nucleus. Um, but I, there are some human cells that don't have a nucleus as well, like uh, red blood cells. Would we consider them living? Um, or is it the human that is living? So are you saying that red blood cells don't carry out a metabolic process? Is that what we're going by the definition of living? Yeah. Okay, it's not considered a living organism because it cannot carry out a metabolic process. Or reproduce on its own. Oh, that was the. I'm trying to think. Do red blood cells reproduce on their own, or are they? Or no, produced, aren't they? It's not and yeah. or. It's or. <laughs> no, so that was just a genuine uh, question I was projecting um, into the void there. Do they? I've watched um, the anime. Do I should know this? Have you seen that? I know which one you're on about, but it's I have fan- not. Seen fantastic it, no. anime, which is yeah. for teaching people how, like, the internal, obviously, are dramatized, but each cell is like a person in the body and it did a really good job of trying to teach people how like uh protection from viruses and things getting into the body works because there's like an individuals that's that's really smart so remembers and then tells people how how to deal with it that's cool yeah i always just think of um when in futurama they go inside fry's body and there's the worms oh yeah that he ate from that sandwich um, teaching anyway, him how viruses. To do his little. <laughs> yeah, his he little was super smart. Sa- saxophone. Ah, oh, what was so it called? Sad. What a sad episode. Um, Cordia. The something phone, but Visiophone? No, because it created a picture, didn't it? Yeah. But he was doing. He was yeah. doing a whole play. That was the thing. He was like putting on a whole theatre production with it. Yes, at a concert. Yes. Um. Just for Leela. Let's see. Futurama instrument. The holophone. A holophoner? Holophoner. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, viruses. They're obligate parasites, which means they cannot carry out any processes without a host cell or infecting a host cell. Um, they do have a wide range of genetic diversity, and their genomes can be both single-stranded or double-stranded. That RNA Some viruses DNA. have RNA genomes yeah. and others have DNA genomes. Yeah, never both. Never both. No. That that'd be too greedy. What does what does the um, DNA carry, Tom? What do you mean? It carries the instructions. What does it carry? The, the virus's oh, replication. Yes. That's how it knows. <laughs> what does it, do? And RNA does the same thing as well, no? Yeah. I would presume. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as Mitch said, they're very tiny. Very uh, dimensions typically ranging twenty nanometers to a few hundred nanometers. Yeah. In terms so that's of like hundred times smaller than typical bacterium. They, they come in sh- different shapes as well. They uh, do, yeah. Icosahedral, hectical. Um, there's also one that's a icosahedron. Is the bacteriophage? We'll get into a bit because the bacteriophage is. Uh, if, if you know, if understandable that people don't know what icosahedron is, it's a shape with twenty faces <laughs> and thirty edges. These in D and D. Twenty faces, thirty edges. Ah, uh, yeah, it's just a D twenty. <laughs> yeah, but I can't do like yeah D twenty because a lot most people in their regular life, if you go yeah yeah, it's just a D ten, it's like a D eight. They'll be like, what the f is a D eight? 
like, oh, so no, if they're a regular listener to the show, they, they know what a D20 is by now. <laughs> I would hope so. I would hope so. I do find it funny when I say to people, oh, roll the D6. And then you see them looking throughout their die and it's like, oh, it's 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 the normal one. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, the, yeah regular, right. <laughs> the regular dice. That. Yeah. Um, so, yes, the, the protein coat, also known as the capsid, the capsid is this yeah. thing that uh, will have multiple different shapes. Provides um, protection. There's also it, does. An, it does. They're so protected yeah. in the little microbial world. Um, some viruses have an outer lipid envelope, um, which is just called the en- the envelope, and it's derived f- from the host cell from through which they replicate. So they still still steal a bit of the, the host cell, and they're like, "Ah, oh, this be mine now," and it helps protect them even further. Uh, normally found in animal viruses, that one, yeah, and it will also so, contain proteins that are involved in attachment to host cells. If anyone wants to give that a Google, it's a Outer lipid envelope is what it's called. Yes. Uh, spike proteins, another common thing that you, people Whoa. have probably heard uh, a bit about. Um, so spike proteins or glycoproteins, they're called. These are on the surface of uh, the viruses. And it's essentially the virus's ability to attach to specific receptor molecules. Um which allow the uh, virus to enter the cell. So if I take you guys back to GCSE biology and I say lock and key mechanism, we're speaking about proteins. Um, they're very specific shapes on the outside of a cell. And then a hormone or a protein comes along and it fits perfectly into that shape. And then the cell goes, oh, you need to be in here because you fit in me. And it pulls it in and then the hormone or other cell signals trigger different things inside the cell mm. well the virus viruses take advantage of that and they have evolved to have the same key to the lock of the cell that they are trying to enter and it's very specific which is why certain viruses only affect certain areas of the body or certain cells and they trick the cell into thinking it they need to pull it in and then that's where they basically just destroy them not all the time but uh they basically hijack the host cell and instead of getting the host cell to replicate its own stuff, they get it to replicate the virus instead. Yeah. A real fun time. Real fun time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, what have you got then? If that if that's a general background on viruses. Do you have any facts? I realise I skipped those because I didn't have <laughs> I any. Because I didn't, I didn't uh, actually go and get any. I forgot to do them again. I forgot Shut as well this it. time, so we ain't we haven't got any facts for the, the, the good well, listeners. It's a whole show of facts. Yeah, that is true. That is true. But they want like the you know x many people die per year from viruses. That kind of that doom and gloom that we normally bring. Oh uh, yeah, the, the brightness we bring. To every, like um, how many people a year die from viruses? That kind of thing. Well, let me ask ChatGPT in real time. Top five facts about viruses. Not truly alive. We've covered that. Genetic diversity. We've covered that. Reproduction and infection. We've covered that. But basically, we're on top of it, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. Um, not all viruses are harmful. While viruses are known to cause disease in humans and other organisms, they are not all harmful. In fact, some have beneficial roles in ecosystems. 
For example, bacteriophages are viruses that infect and kill bacteria to help control bacterial populations in the environment. And in fact, viruses are even used in um, medication and stuff these days. Yeah. Other fun facts. Viruses evolve faster than any other living organism. It kind of makes sense. Yep. I guess if your reproduction time is so short. Yeah, if you can create thousands of copies within one hour, uh, you can cycle through many generations really quickly, making it like, well, they they often make loads of mistakes when they've been copying genetic information. So, you know, mutations occur much more regularly. Yeah, I've seen a video of, they have like a bacteria in an agar like plate thing oh, what's an agar? oh yeah yeah yeah. that's the, agar is like a jelly la- you'd Uchilana use to plate. incubate yeah 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 exactly but you use it in um, school you used to swab your mouth and then put it exactly on the agar yeah and then incubate it for like a day then realize that you need to go to the dentist yeah great realization for some people um anyway they had it on this like rectangular bench and then they had a series of agar um a series of agar that went up in bacterial composition, uh, antibiotic composition, sorry. And they showed that just over the period of a couple of days, uh, the bacteria will evolve to have 10,000 times the uh, antibiotic resistance that it did at the start, if it's left unchecked. Um, really cool like time-lapse video of seeing the bacteria on a macro scale do this but that's because the the generation time is so short they can replicate so quickly that as mitch said the mutations that they happen upon uh, may provide them with antibiotic resistance just by chance and then those ones survive yeah really cool um but yeah what what have, what have you got uh, as a topic i've also got another fact but that's fine Oh, or a fact. Yeah, go yeah, for it. Is uh, you can cook them up from scratch. Oh, sick! They're, they're so simple that it's possible to assemble one from scratch in a lab using just a few components. The recipe, in the simplest case, take a purified protein and a purified nuclei genome, mix them in water under the right conditions from a salt, acidity, and temperature, and in time, those components will spontaneously organize into infectious virus particles. That's wild. <laughs> it's a big race, isn't it? It's one of those things that just absolutely blows my mind because you, you take that concept and you go, okay, you can make viruses by putting it in water that feels right. Yeah. And then these components spontaneously evolve into not life, but something that preys upon life. And then isn't that just what we kind of thought was in the, happened in the primordial soup of the ocean x many billions of years ago we were just like oh yeah life the components for life just spontaneously came together because the conditions were right yeah wild yeah that's uh also, i think that was episode two mm, of our podcast wow um we're on episode 69 now throw it back uh, to the great... that was worth mentioning Wait, episode two yeah, we did the great filters, didn't we? Episode yeah, two, was we that did. episode one, um, and that was one of the great filters—the sponta- spontaneity of uh, uh, life-giving yes. molecules. Indeed, it was. Yeah. 
Oh, what a place. What a time to be alive. Um, the last thing which I think, <laughs> I think quite interesting with the viruses is they have a higher symmetry rate than any other thing in nature. Because they all have like icohedral symmetry. Most viruses have icohedral symmetry, which is the the looks like an old-fashioned soccer ball, the D20 that we're talking about. But the other ones that aren't that sh- specifically that shape also have a symmetry to them. Okay. You have to follow so I, that occasion, like dramatically pausing. Well, what's going on? Here? What's going on? No, I'm dramatically pausing. I'm trying, trying to understand because my concept of symmetry in the animal kingdom comes from fairly simple or like radial or lateral symmetry. So if you think about a human, you cut them, put it down the middle, they, they should look fairly similar on the left as they do on the right. Um, Not really. The same with a shark. Humans are very you, different if you cut them in half. A heart's not yeah. symmetrical. Our stomach isn't symmetrical. It goes from left to right. Like our lungs are. No, but this is why I was like fairly, fairly. Yeah, especially fairly was a very broad term to use in that. <laughs> okay, um, you think about yeah, but most animals we we are like bi-symmetrical. Or you think about the starfish; it's radially symmetrical on like a five a five point. Um, but so I was thinking of Icosaho. What is it? Icosahedral? Icosahedral? Yeah. Is that, does that mean it's um, symmetrical through 20? Well, the top bit would, wouldn't rotations? it? If it's 20 faces, it would be yeah. Yeah, symmetrical. But a lot of them, excuse me, they, they've got like the, I don't know what, what the sci-fi reference is, but it's got like the, the tail bit and then like the prongs that come off the bottom of it. It does look quite sci-fi. Yeah, like if you have a look at a bacterial phage, uh, which is probably one of my favourite things, it is like a, you've got a twenty-sided dice. Well, it's actually not a twenty-sided dice. Do you want to put that in? Do you want to put that out there in everyone's head? It's not a twenty-sided dice. It's it's got five on the top and then five on the bottom and then ten round the side. Okay, it's not like the universe is just out here playing D and D, seeing no. if it gets a nat twenty or not. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, the bacteriophage is absolutely crazy. Take us through that then. Uh, it's a virus that infects bacteria. That's why it's called a bacteriophage. It literally means bacterial eater. Um, because bacteriophages destroy their host cells. So all bacteriophages are composed of a nucleic acid molecule that's surrounded by a protein structure. A bacteriophage attaches itself to a susceptible... Wow, too many S's and C's in susceptible bacterium and infects (laughs) the host cells. The following infection, the bacteriophage hijacks the bacterium's cellular machinery to prevent it from producing bacterial components and instead forces the cell to produce viral components. Eventually... New bacteriophages assemble and burst out of the bacterium in a process called lysis, isis, isis, lysis, lysis, lysis. Yeah, yeah. This is why people shouldn't use capitalize things with I at the start because you don't know if it's a lowercase l or an I. Uh, bacteriophages they occasionally remove a portion of their host cells bacteria's DNA during the infection process and then transfer this DNA into the genome of the new host cell. This process is known as transduction. There is a really good uh, Kurtz guy, we mentioned them a few times on the podcast, video all about how they're going to save the world. 
Um, yes, I remember that now, actually. Yeah, because essentially, if you can weaponize it in a correct way, uh, you can we can sort of like instead of using um, antibiotics, we there's a potential useful bacteriophages as alternate for them because essentially you can program them in the same way that they'll, they'll if you go, were to they'll create go after... them to have the right spike um what were they called sorry the spike spike proteins on the shell right yeah they would only be able to enter the bacteria yeah because essentially the, the way that, the simple process of the way it works is they they seek out like a cruise missile through your body like <laughs> searching for their bacterial prey they then find it clamp on with the legs and then the under if you imagine <laughs> uh war of the worlds the, the tom cruise version with like the the big alien uh spaceships that have like the legs and it walks it's like, it's like yeah. that the legs come out catch in but then at the bottom of it it's got like a massive spike that like comes down and then pierces the wall of the bacteria with its tail is it, I think it's. I think it is called a tail, which is weird. Yes, um, I think it is. Which essentially it turns itself into a makeshift syringe, essentially, because it plunges through the bacterial wall, then squeezes the top uh, isohedral shape, which it then pumps which in it is the genetic information that it pumps into the bacteria. And then this forces the bacteria to make new parts of the phages, the replication. Um, and this, in this process, it releases andocin, 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 uh, which is a power enzyme that punctures a hole in the bacteria. And, uh, and then, yeah, this happens when the bacteria is at bursting point. So it then can explode, and all those newborn phages are fired out all over the place. That's how they work. And then it just restarts again. So from one bacteria, you get many more viruses. Yeah. Attacking the others, right? Yeah, I think if we, I guess the problem is knowing that you've put the right spike proteins and uh, attachments on it, or programmed it correctly. But I'm sure they got ways to test for that. They're clever people. Yeah. Uh, and it's actually the, the deadliest being on Earth. If you don't know. I'm sure. I mean, imagine that went wrong. Well, no, yeah. at, currently, as it stands, it is the deadliest being on planet Earth. Purely in numbers of kills. Yeah, bacteriophage. Hmm. I mean, it tracks. But I mean, there's it, so many bacteria you know, to, no, to bacteria kill. are living. Oh, I was going to say. They have a metabolic it, process. It, it, been over this tom well yeah they're bacterias for sure yeah i thought you were saying um the viruses are the most killing being yeah so trivia knowledge i see i see how it comes up in the future yeah um cool so uh we were specifically asked to go over, over the the wart virus um, because it's kind of a confusing one, and I I didn't actually know where it came from. To be fair, so I'll go over this quickly, and then we can move on to um, maybe some computer-based stuff. 
because I'm, e- I'm eager to hear about that. So, warts, I think it, most people know what warts are, uh, growths caused by various types of the human papillomavirus, papillomavirus, HPV, which I didn't know, uh, that's what caused warts. Mm-hmm. So, HPV, or the human papilloma, papillo, my brain can't read that and say it how I want to say it <laughs> at the same time. The human papillomavirus, there we go, HPV, is a name of a group of around 200 related viruses. So it's not that HPV is one specific virus, it's a group Mm -hmm. that are related in some way. And the classification of viruses uh, changes depending who you ask, and is sometimes on the types of cells that they infect or parasitize, or the methods of which they go through, or... Uh, the type of material they have on the inside. Mm, It it can happen in a few different methods. Um, But some of these HPV viruses lead to warts. So you have the common warts. Uh, These are warts usually found on the hands, fingers, but can appear on other body parts as well. Uh, Genitalia. warts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Those are actually a separate kind. Um, Those are warts developed on the soles of the feet. 16 and 18. Um, That's That's the number. What? The number of what? Uh, one that you when I said genitalia, that wasn't just purely satir- satirical. That was um, you have uh, smear tests, pap smear tests, to check for uh, HPV yes. sixteen and eighteen, which can I think it oh. lead to show that you it shows you a major risk of getting cervical cancer. So yeah, oh, that's, that's wild. You, that's where you have smear tests. If you haven't had, uh, them, you have fl- go get one. Go 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 get those. Yeah. yeah. Um, flat warts, these are warts that are smaller and smoother than uh, the traditional ones. They often appear in large numbers on the face, neck and hands. And of course you have your genital warts as well, as Mitch so eloquently shouted out. Um, <laughs> which appear around the genital Gen- anal areas Gen- and are a significant concern for sexual health. <laughs> now, HPV, I think people have heard about it a lot in other contexts, um, is highly contagious and warts are typically spread through direct skin-to-skin contact mm. or with contaminated uh, objects. Um, and obviously genital warts are primarily transmitted through sexual contact. Um, but warts, they're, they're kind of really weird. What happens is the HPV virus, well, human papillomavirus, uh, infects the outer layer of the skin. So just the epidermis um, or the mucous membranes in the case of genital warts. Uh, It enters the skin cells, replicates, and changes the cell growth. Now, the exact mechanism there changes depending on the type of wart. So, uh, in common warts, it's just the top layer of the cell, and it causes the skin cells to grow rapidly, resulting in the rougher texture. In plantar warts, it's the the soles of the feet, and it causes the cells to grow inward due to uh, the pressure of standing on them all the time. Um, flat warts, uh, they're smoother and smaller, um, and as we said, they're normally around the, the face and neck. So HPV infects the cell of the epidermis and interferes with the cell cycle. And what it does is it causes the infected cells to replicate more rapidly than the surrounding um, uninfected skin cells. And this causes hyperkeratosis, which is a hallmark feature of the common wart. This is a condition where there's an overproduction of keratin. So keratin is a protein that makes up the outermost layer of the skin, 
uh, called the stratum corneum, but it's also what makes up our hair and nails. So, okay, yes, we have it on the, the outermost layer, like in part, but if it's like pure keratin, that's what your nail is. Mm. So that's why they become a lot harder, a lot rougher, is because not only are more cells growing, but they're growing with an increased amount of keratin inside of them. Uh, you then have papillomatosis. <laughs> Just, just the L into the O and the P's. My, my brain can't do it. Papillomatosis. Um, this is HPV-induced changes in skin cell growth that lead to finger-like projections or papillary growths on the surface of the wart. Um, these projections give the wart its distinctive cauliflower-like appearance. And I looked at some pictures of this under a microscope and... It's really wild, super interesting. The skin cells uh, grow in like hair-like patterns in a radial form. So they form like a circle and then they grow like hair-like patterns upwards. And you can actually like separate them from each other once they get to a certain length. And oh, there are some pictures there that you do not need to see. <laughs> I'm telling you that now. If you If you really are interested, you can go have a look. Um, you have coilocytes as well, which are altered skin cells um, that have irregularly shaped nuclei and contain darkened, condensed areas of chromatin, which is another uh, protein. Um, and they are a diagnostic feature of HPV infections. And it's really weird because the immune response obviously knows there's something going on, but because it's its own skin cells, it doesn't act in, let's say, a normal way. It's really hard for the immune system to deal with viral infections sometimes and that's why they can be such a problem mm. but you will have a, uh, inflammation um, an influx of immune cells will obviously come to the area anyway and sometimes they actually make the raised wart area worse um, but yes there's a lot of persistence and growth in the infected area and a combination of rapid cell division hyperkeratosis papillomatosis and the immune response they all result in this kind of inflamed cauliflower-like structure that we see in warts. Um, so, yeah, if you're prone to getting warts, don't 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 go spreading, don't go touching other people's, or watch where you touch. Yeah, because that's how they spread. Which I didn't realize. I had no idea it was a, a virus. Mm. Yeah, um, this was the uh, something called a latent infection. What have you said or anything about it? But even if you, I, I did not. But yes, it is a thing. Yeah, even if you get rid of it. Over time, like you just fight it like normal types, it actually has like some of the viral DNA may remain latent or inactive uh, in an inactive form within your body, uh, and those latent infections may not be detectable, but they can potentially reactivate in the future. Yeah, it's and it's it's interesting because sometimes the virus it will stay depending how bad it's got, it will stay in exactly the same spot. And people just get warts in the same spot over and over and over again. Yep. Um, I remember I had a wart once. No, I had it a couple of times. It recurred a couple of times when I was younger. I must have been about 12 or 13. And I got like a little tube of liquid nitrogen. Yeah, it freeze like off. You freeze it off. Yeah. Um, I did that once and then it came back. It must have been like uh, eight months later or something. Um. I don't know why I said eight months. Like that—that's a completely wild guess. Uh, <laughs> and then, but then I've never had one after that. But uh, yeah, I had no idea it was an infection. 
but yeah treatment include uh, freezing is one of the most common ways to do it because you place yeah a liquid nitrogen infused or really cold piece of material on the wart and it basically causes frostbite at the lowest layer of the wart um, and then just causes all of that and the infected skin to, to fall off and hopefully you, you've killed the virus there yeah um pe- people just get them cut out as well surgery these days um but yeah it's just a, another thing hpv is in our lives with so yeah there we go warts warty warts all right then how about uh you 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 dig in with some of your uh you were gonna well apparently you're gonna ask me questions well i was just thinking i have no knowledge of the subject so i'll probably you'll probably say something and i'll be like ah you're gonna need to explain that okay so (laughs) viruses i think in the news uh it's been a bit better now but what it used to be was when something a malicious piece of software or code got activated on a computer, they would just say it's a virus. So I think it was one of the most common at the time. Uh, but a virus is actually but malware, which is malicious software. It's what a type of malware. Um, right. And malware, there's like there's such a wide range of malicious software programs um, that, you know, some harm, some compromise, some are just annoying, some steal information, others turn the computer into a bot so it'd be put as part of a botnet um some now mine that's kind of a thing so viruses as one of one of many so things you've got like viruses which uh they <laughs> they design to infect and then spread from one computer to another so it's kind of it's hard to talk because some of them have got overlapping traits which makes it difficult if you're looking for in the case of compromises which are iocs um because things like worms also self-replicate what's a worm so <laughs> a worm, this is gonna be my input just a random yeah so worms <laughs> are, are self-replicating <laughs> malware that spread independently often exploiting worm releasing network protocols or software they don't require user interventional to spread um normally viruses okay, so it's like they, i want this to infect someone and i'm just going to send it out to the world and it's going to do its own thing yeah because what will happen okay. is do you remember the um i don't know what they called it but back when the nhs there was the ransom where they got put through i call it the eternal blue because that's the the exploit but i can't remember what it was called um but essentially was uh in a protocol it's called eternal blue which is a connection that windows does to other machines on the same network there was a vulnerability that some malicious people uh found and then attacked and then that spread itself without them needing to do anything it just went out into the world and took down like the nhs and governments that kind of thing um even though if you are the latest version of like Windows, it was fine because it got fixed, but a lot of people didn't, like the NHS, and it brought them down. So that's what a worm was. Um, and does worm stand for anything, or is it no. just... No idea. That's the name that's been picked up. Okay. Yep. Uh, then you've got Trojans, which which is much like the Trojan horse from the, the Greeks. 
Um, and that's where they're called Trojans because they disguise themselves as legit software uh, or files right. to try and trick the user into executing them. So, and then once they activate, they perform various malicious actions, again, such as stealing data, providing unauthorized access, causing system damage. Um, you have something called lateral movement, which is a higher level. It's not just like, here's a malware, something's happened. It's when you're being attacked uh, by an entity, like a, an advanced business threat or a group, you'll have something called lateral movement. And that's when they all, you have like hierarchical movement, which they go up, or you have lateral movement, and they go, if you imagine a company's organizational diagram, lateral movement right. is horizontal. So you'll go from like employee A to employee B who works under, you know, one manager. That's lateral movement. But then if you have like horizontal movement, which means they'll come in, get access to one person's computer, then leverage that person's computer to try and gain access to somebody who is like executive or C-suite or that kind of thing. So what they'll do, um, it's called business email compromise, which is a, a big thing at the moment, is if you can compromise like the finance officer in, in a company or the CEO or someone on C-level, if you can compromise their email inbox, the common one is, oh, we failed to pay X on time. They send that to the finance guys. Can you please really quickly authorize like a payment of 100,000 to this company so we don't lose access to X? And because it's from, you know, C-suite and they don't know, they then put it through and they've lost the money. So that's a big uh, one that's happening at the moment. Um, yeah. Then you've got things like ransomware which is what happened in the big thing, which is essentially using the exploit. <laughs> Annoyingly, a lot of these are packaged together, which is weird, a package deal, because they use different... Say you've got a, a worm's ability to infect, that'll be put at like the, the payload end to get in, and then you've got back-end things that happen afterwards, like ransomware, spyware, or adware. They'll happen after once, you know... Okay, exploited. after infection. Yeah. Yeah. So ransomware essentially encrypts uh, all users' files or the entire system and demands ransom to be provided uh, by like a decryption key. Um, so it can lock you out of your computer or your own data until the ransom's paid. That was a really big debate. Then, do, do they even like, if people get ransomware and then they pay it do the people even like give them a key yes so this was a big thing like a the big big debate we had back in the day was essentially it works on a system of trust because if nobody paid if if no uh, nefarious company paid the to, and when once they got paid gave the decryption key back nobody would ever do it because it would become well, uh, very well known that, yeah, don't, there's no point in paying them because, you know, you, you're not going to get your money back anyway. And there's no point in them. They don't want your data. They want the money. So once they've got the money, you know, it's worth handing the key over because there's no point yeah. to keep it because they don't actually have the data. It's locked away on your PC. They haven't uh, exfiltrated it to their computer or server or domain yeah. where they've got it to. So, you know, they're not that fast. But a lot of these, which is, is really weird, a lot of these, um, we, we did a live test where we got a hold of some ransomware, activated it on a virtual machine, which is essentially a computer within a computer, like a virtualized computer. Um, and a lot of them got like chat 
boxes that you can talk to an IT support for these, you know, companies uh, who are trying to make money. Oh, like so, you have support for yeah, the Yeah, yeah, so to so be like, the, oh, you oh, know, okay. I've paid the money, but, you know, the key isn't working. How can you help? They'll come over like, oh, yeah, okay, thanks. Um, yeah, have you tried doing this? Have you tried doing this? You know. Oh, so they'll help you reopen your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, That's it's, wild. It's really, it's really wild. There's also... Uh, what was it called? Imontet was a, essentially a, it's a suite. I'm not sure where it is now, but it's really, it was really prevalent in Asia because um, sending invoices is done via Excel, but you have to like enable mac- uh, macros to do it. So they've like right. exploited that tell because macros you can like it's like automated code that you just can trigger, which is really easy to you know put a payload in and fire off these viruses and things. Um, but essentially it was like a whole suite that you bought, uh, which would be like for these gamers out there, like steam when you'd, but the different games would be like different aspects of your hacking or, uh, like if you're buying things, uh, as a service, uh, and the whole suite had an, an IT department essentially that if the suite wasn't working or if you can get something working, you were having trouble with something, you you could just message them, email them um, through the the suite, and they would they would help you. Some customer support. Yeah, it's literally customer support. Yeah, because there's there's this race like um, you see with like movies, games. Uh, of the, the, the funny way is is uh, like what's going to be the next storage device happened with movies uh we've like imax and blu-ray and that oh you mean thing. like our progression yeah from like it's VHS the progression to, to vhs because yeah. okay. that was a fight between the movie companies and the pornography industry if you didn't right. know that that was like what was going to be the next thing um <laughs> and you had the the fight between it obviously betamax is what i was trying to think not imax betamax and blu-ray and blu-ray one you have the same kind of race uh between like legitimate companies and these <laughs> nefarious companies where they're kind of copying each other but working out what's the best and at the moment there's just an absolute prevalence of like as a service so in in computing world you have like things like platform as a service infrastructure as a service um which essentially means i don't want to build my own server stack which is just a really powerful computer i can pay someone who has loads of server stacks that they've invested money into to give me some space on their server stack it's like a right. here's the infrastructure for your company as a service they build it they look after it you just put your program and servers and stuff not servers you put your application on their servers that's what it is so okay. that got really popular. So these <laughs> various companies were like, ah, oh, as a service is the way to go, like live service. You pay monthly, you get this tool, we support you, we host it, there we go. And that's currently where it stands. That's kind of wild. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely crazy thing. But part of that is spyware. Spyware gets into a bit more of the like real nefarious stuff because that collects information and monitors your activities so it will take like your keystrokes your browsing history any personal data it can find it'll then normally bundle it up and then send it to a remote server or a paste bin or a link to a paste bin where they can you know pull out your um bank details if you if you do any online banking this is why uh i think a few years ago they moved do you know when you do like your password now 
you have a secret phrase and it asks you for like the first, the, the fifth and the seventh or a random yeah. assortment in, in a drop down. Because with the drop down, you don't press a key on a keyboard to put in that special data. So it can't be monitored right. via keystroke logger or a key logger is what it's called. That makes sense. So when I do the drop down, I like do the scroll wheel and in order amount of time, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> because uh, my, in my theory was if it was like a scroll down, they could work out like the range that yeah. you were scrolling down to. Um, yeah. I guess unless you, you clicked and dragged. Yes. Yeah. Another one yeah. is uh, a good one that they don't really do is if you have a touchscreen, they don't really do like record where you're touching on the screen because that's like a quite a difficult thing and really easy to i think it's like a high process in terms of computing to record okay where so you're this is what i was going to ask can, can they see like where your mouse is or where you, yes. you've touched yeah they'll be able to see where your mouse okay. is um because there's there's like gaming products that will track when you're playing a specific game will track where your mouse goes yes uh it's essentially just a, a really light version of that okay yeah that's wild. Yeah, wild things. But as I was saying earlier with like botnets and things, that's even crazier. Botnets is your 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 computer essentially comes becomes a zombie. Sort of a zombie or a bot. Uh and, and it means Can that, you use it? Like or is this yeah, happening yeah, yeah. in the so, background? So it'll it'll have all the uses. Um, but essentially you'll be infected and at any point what'll happen is a controller or like the head of the botnet um will send commands out to its network and then they'll start doing things so say that you've got one controller with like 10 they'll send out a like a, a ping message or a way of communication i don't really want to get into because it's very complex um like there's a the double flux method was uh, a method created by avalanche which was uh, a prevalent uh, cyber criminal organization that back in 20 i think it's 20, 20 2012 they were attributed to 80 percent of phishing attacks across the globe were attributed to them like that's how how prevalent they got um uh, and how good they got at it but there was a there's there's there methods that they used um to try and connect to each other and the best way i managed to describe it to someone is if you imagine uh you've got two clocks next to each other with yeah. like the minute hands and you've got one clock that's spinning a di quicker than the other at some point those two clock hands are going to point at each other right that's essentially what they did to like create the connection to send it across you had every second it was spamming out these connection requests to obfuscate uh which is essentially just confuse if anyone's looking at it, to confuse that what it was doing and then at one point in that you know cycle, it would connect on the right one. So for right. all the the authorities that were watching, it was sending out thousands of these like pings to completely different wrong places, and they had to track down each one until one of them uh... eventually went to the right place and to the major. And essentially, what they did is create a, like an internet black hole where everything got sucked down into it. It was like a domain top level domain thing. Very very clever. Um, but yeah, so once you're in this That's wild, this botnet, they can essentially send commands to your computer to do anything. You can then, you know, become another chain, so you become like a hierarchical bot. So 
you then send out and you can control 10. Um, and, okay. and then they'll send a command to you and you send the command out, that kind of thing. Um, you can use it to like send people emails. Like you can create like a email um, thing going on that sends out nefarious emails to people from that one network. And it's essentially trying to remove them, you know, once from being caught because they may track down to, you know, my computer if I'm part of a botnet that I've been sending people, you know, malicious files via my email. If I was, if I had like a local email thing going on, um, but you know, it's not me. It's my computer being controlled. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's there's a, it's a really big grey area about the legality of that. And if like it's then on me, if something happens, am I liable because I was negligent with my computer? Uh, because what there was a, a DDoS event that happened. It's like the low orbit ionized beam. I think it was what it's called. It's a weird name for a DDoS attack. Because it sounds cool. Yeah, it sounds very <laughs> cool. Um, but essentially, you got a, you got a, like an email with a choice to join. Like you could, you, it, it was weird. It gave you like a like one of the, this attack gave you a choice to join or not. Uh, and if you did, then you, you you'd, you'd help out. Um, and the people that held out, they've tracked them down and tried to prosecute them. I think because you, then you were they were like actually part of it. They acknowledged they were part of it. They were a crazy thing. Yeah. So how how would you go about protecting yourself against these things other than not clicking suspicious links? Um, at the moment, the best thing you can do. Uh, I always advise that if you've got a Windows machine the Windows Defender that comes with it is your best bet. And then the most aggressive ad blocker you can find on the market, even if you have to pay for it. And it's better that you pay for these things right. and not get free. Because if you have, like, so virtual private networks, VPNs that people use across the world that obfuscate what you're doing to your um, internet provider, the IPs, um, if you're using a free one, they're selling your data. Doesn't matter how you where you <laughs> you skinny it. Like there's a yeah. reason why it's free. They have to be making somewhere. They're not just doing out their good graces. So it's worth paying for these services, and not just using free ones. Because you know, I think even malware bites. If you use the free one, they're selling. They you agree to sell some of your data to people. It's like Facebook. You know, Facebook is selling your data. It's like the whole analytics scandal. Um, they were selling yeah. your data to uh, these think tanks that were then using it to manipulate people into voting a specific way because it's free. It's a free service. Um, so, you know, anything that you can potentially buy, McAfee, like all the basics ones will do your low-level stuff. Um, in terms of mobile devices, Android's pretty good at locking it down to start off with. Again, don't download anything from it's it's more of a human aspect that you you often find in cybersecurity is like your biggest risk is your pe is your employees, your people, because they're gonna do something stupid. Right. Come what may. You may have the best cybersecurity system in the world and have one stupid employee that completely ruins it. Like, for example, I worked at a place years ago that we had pretty good handle on things, and then it's the WannaCry virus, just remembered it. Uh they brought they pirated some music to play in a class, and in that pirated music, there was the WannaCry virus. 
and they brought brought it in on a USB, and then it propagated through the network via that. So you know, downfall of the CIA as well. Someone just left a USB in the parking lot and they plugged it in. Crazy stuff. So to protect yourself. Oh, if, that's what I was thinking about the other day. Yeah, I was trying to tell someone that story. Yeah, that was it. Uh, yeah, that's like cyber psychology. That's how you hack hack humans into doing things for cyber. Um, give it to protect yourself. Uh, I say the aggressive ad blockers because there's a lot of um, ads that there's malicious software. I don't know what you even call it software. But for, for an ad to load on your computer, it has to download the data. If you hide something malicious in it, your computer is going to have to download it to play it. So if it's a movie with something like a clip, an advert clip with something behind it, yeah, there's many ways in. Um, right. And those toolbars, don't get me fucking start. And there's, there's adware, which is the biggest thing. And it, like, it'll like direct you to a browser that looks like Chrome, but isn't Chrome. This is the nefarious one that like, is always around, that always gets people. Um, and when you search, it'll like change your search to, you know, show you adverts from people, their, their people. To get them revenue. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. All right. And then there's mining. Cool, that's cool, that, cool. That was, it, mining's less popular now because crypto mining beca- has become that's it's, 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 it's like sign of the times. Um, crypto mining has caused uh, you know mining anything crypto related has uh, become far less popular because it's become harder, especially with like Bitcoin. Mining Bitcoin at the moment isn't even um, profitable. I suppose if you've got a network that's big enough, um, it could be it could be a real issue with uh, organisations that use um, Hyper-V in virtual computers. Like, say you you're on a network that's got an unsupervised virtual machine. If that virtual machine becomes compromised and they they start a um mining operation on it you don't catch it what a lot of these virtual computers do in the cloud is they'll have something called elasticity so that'll mean when the processing drive increases so when your needs increase so say that you're doing something quite heavy or you're getting a lot of people that are connecting it'll then instead of like using two sticks of ram this is the best way i can describe it two sticks of RAMs, it'll then increase it to four sticks of RAM. Right. It'll do that automatically for you. So it'll like size up your demand. So you're not just paying the most amount of money because it, like, it'll do it on like um, CPU calls, which is the like processing oh, calls. Okay. So instead of you paying like for having six CPU calls constantly, it'll say, here's a different tariff. What it means is when it's like a downtime, like during the night, we'll restrict it to, it'll put it down to two CPU cores, but then when it becomes under heavy load, it'll automatically shift it up to six or however many you need. The issue being is yeah. if you don't have limits put on it, um, like a, an attack that happened way back, uh, you essentially, you get this mine operation that starts and the costs will skyrocket for the organization, not for the individual that's attacking because yeah. they'll just, it'll go out of control and it'll try and use the maximum it possibly can. So it will cost like companies hundreds of thousands if left running and they don't see it or notice it because you know, you can't say to the, the, um, 
there's no there's no clauses or insurance against like to these service providers to say look we had a breach they'll they'll just say well look you use the service there's, that's that's on you not on us you left it unprotected yeah. that kind of thing so yeah interesting times we're heading into then yeah With that kind of stuff but interesting times awesome. in the uk online safety bill once again i have to say it in another episode <laughs> fuck the conservative party such a awful decision just why yeah, let's get rid of end-to-end encryption because that was good for literally nobody apart from the state spying on people good job not going to protect kids in any way if anything it can make them more at harm because if they're using an end-to-end encryption device to communicate to get to safety that's gone great yeah just what why are they playing at trying to police the internet and the internet is global it's, it's ridiculous I, yeah it's not really gonna work is it it'll work because what will oh, happen well. is uh currently there's the, the, one of the drawbacks they said which is why are they putting it through and one of the things they, they've said is the technology isn't there for companies to do it yet for the government to do it the, the, there's no technology for the government to come in and step in and see what your message says before it gets to WhatsApp's encryption services then and sends it on. So they can't do it currently. So it's just like, oh. yeah, but what will happen is um, WhatsApp, they'll say that WhatsApp needs to either change their the service they provide or they need to give um, the UK government specifically the keys, the keys to the kingdom essentially. So they'll yeah. be like, here's a back door uh, and you can, you know, look at anybody's from the UK. And But the issue being is that doesn't exist because, you know, it's encryption. They want it to be protected, fail safe. They don't want to give anybody the keys to the kingdom. So what will happen is WhatsApp will be like, okay, we no, if you've signed up with a plus four four mobile number, you are no longer allowed to use WhatsApp. And Facebook Messenger, same thing will happen to that. Any messaging service that will use that uses encryption, and that's what they sell their brand on, and is important to, they'll just go, nope, we don't want to be here, because we are then risking our operation globally for one country. It's not really worth it, is it? No, for them. no, not worth it at all for them. So, and I think that's what they're trying to push for, because then we'll have to go back to using, you know, plain text messaging services, which essentially. Do you know back in like the cop dramas where they got the wire tap where they went they literally went up and put the wire on the wire, like like telephone yeah. wires. Essentially, it'll, it'll kick us back to that day and age where the government will just be able to do that, but like for our texts and things like that. Get me Fun. out of this hellhole. Get me out of this hellhole. <laughs> like, yeah. This is not the good yeah. timeline, Tom. <laughs> this is not. <laughs> this is not a good timeline. Well, we knew that anyway. We we knew we weren't in the good timeline yeah. anyway. All right. Well, well, we'll leave it there. We're well over the hour now. Yeah, um, I've got some hot off the news press that came out literally 20, 27 minutes ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, scientists have just found um, using the James Webb Space Telescope again because it's an absolute fucking beast. Um, there is carbon in the subterranean ocean of Europa, which is one of Jupiter's many moons, um, which is obviously one of the crucial ingredients for life. Again, supporting evidence that Europa and the ocean uh, on Europa could be one of the best places to look 
for life outside of Earth. But we will leave it there. Thank you, everyone, for joining for the biological and cyber viral episode. Yes. Cyber viral, is that a thing? It is uh, now. It is now, if not. Um, don't forget to share this with your friends, families, um, everyone. I'll, yeah. Um, cool. If you want more fun information science, you can follow us at Twitter, TikTok, at InfoEntropyPod, Instagram, InformationEntropyPod, and of course, whichever directory you're listening to this on right now. If you give us a rating, a like, a follow, we appreciate that absolutely massively. I've been Tom Jenks. Have you got anything else to shout out there, mate? Uh, not positive, so I'll keep it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then, we'll leave you with that and catch you guys the next week. Peace. Ciao for now.